Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Solano Valley Church. Welcome, everybody who's online. All right, let's stand. We're going to sing to the Lord this morning. Anybody grateful for the amazing grace, God's amazing grace this morning? Woo, we're going to sing about that. Let's just lift it up. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Yeah, let's put our hands together. Who breaks the power? Let's sing it together. Who breaks the power? Of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory. The King above all kings. So we sing. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Whoa, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. All you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan? A son and daughter, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Oh, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. So we sing. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. He's worthy. 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Oh, and worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Whoa, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. All you've done for me. Oh, we're grateful, God. All you've done for us. Oh. grateful for all he's done for us anybody grateful let's just let's just call it out like in a word or a phrase what are some things we're grateful for this morning go pretty awesome that's pretty awesome yeah what else Listen to, listen to some of what God has given us. This is in the scriptures. This is 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Some translations say we're a new creation. God is actually changing who we are from the inside out. The old is gone. The new is come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We're reconcilers. He reconciled us and now we... Now we are the ones who make peace in the world around us. And then it goes down here, uh, verse 21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're going to sing about that. He came, he reconciled us, he made a way for us to know him forever. He forgives. Our sin doesn't count against us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for forgiveness. We're going to sing about Jesus, our Messiah, together this morning. Thank you, God, for saving us. This first verse is that scripture, right out of 2 Corinthians 5. Let's sing this together. He became sin. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become His righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. 
Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, For sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, His body the bread, His blood the wine. Broken and poured out all for love. The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven. Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, all our hope is in you, all our hope is in you, all our glory to you, God.
And I'd like to take some time this morning for us to really pray for revival in our land. And, and I want to ask you as well, what needs to be revived in your life today? What feels like it's dead and there's no hope for life? So it can be so many things in our life. We think about revival in our land, but also what needs to be revived in us. It could be a marriage. It could be school, our walk with God. It could be the state of the world that we live in, a prodigal child or our health. It could be our depression or it could be something with our job. There can be so many things that we feel like needs reviving in our life. Well, I have good news for you today because the God we serve, he's in the business of reviving things. And, you know, when you think about it, when I think about things that are dead, one of the analogies he uses in scriptures of something that's really dead is a bone. And I was reading recently in Ezekiel. And obviously when you see a bone or a skeleton, it's like, yeah, he's dead. (laughs) It's like, uh, yeah, he's dead. And there's no hope for that guy, you know. And so what's amazing to me is that when you read the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel was a prophet. And the people of God, the Jews, were in exile in Babylon. They were taken captive against their will. And God allowed it because they were rebellious. They were idol worshiping and they were rebelling against God. So God allowed them to be taken captive. So here's the Jews. They're captive in Babylon and God sends Ezekiel. Because the Jews realized when they were exiled, we messed up. We messed up. We sinned and rebelled against our God. So God sends Ezekiel. And God gave him this vision of a valley of dry bones. And, you know, what does that mean? And basically, it was a symbol of where the people of God were spiritually. They were spiritually dead. There was no hope spiritually for them because they were trying to live it apart from the God of the universe. They were trying to do it on their own, their way instead of God's way. And what I love about this passage is that with the power of the Holy Spirit and submitting to God, God can bring life to something that was dead, like a valley of dry bones. So I actually want to read this passage this morning. It's Ezekiel 37. And my prayer for you is as I read, these are God's words. I pray for you that whatever needs reviving in your life, that you will look to the God who made you. Because there's nothing he can't do. And there's nothing he can't revive for his glory. So this is Ezekiel 37, 1 through 4. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to lead us for a time in prayer. That we would pray for revival in our hearts and in our land. The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. And he set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, 
And I saw a great many bones on the valley of the floor, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? God asked him that. And I said, sovereign Lord, only you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make them breathe. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. I love that part. So I prophesied as I was commanded and I was prophesying as I was prophesying there was a noise a rattling sound this is so cool this is scripture and the bones came together bone to bone I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them but there was no breath in them then he said to me prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man and say to it this is what the sovereign Lord says Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life. And I stood, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Okay, remember the first picture? A valley of dry bones. It was all these dead warriors. God raised to life a vast army out of dry bones. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Do you ever feel like that? Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'm going to bring you back to the land of Israel. And then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. Whew. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. And you know what? God did that. God did that. And God can do that in your life, too. And I want us to lead us in a time of prayer, because I think sometimes when I look around me and what's happening in the world, it's just like what Israel said. Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. But you know what? It's not. Because the sovereign Lord says he is our hope. And he is in the business of reviving dead things. So I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And I want to ask while I'm praying, if there's something in your life that needs reviving, ask God for it. There is nothing our God can't do. He is a God of hope. So let's go to the Lord, the sovereign Lord, and let's bring our request and our hearts to him right now. God, thanks for your word. 
there is nothing like your word. That's what we need. We need the words of God. And Lord, there is so much broken in our world. People that I know in my life personally, people around the world, in Afghanistan, all across the country, with hurricanes and floods. And God, sometimes it feels like we're living in a valley of dry bones. But we know that you are the sovereign God. And that because of the spirit of the Lord, you can bring life from death. And Lord, our first prayer is for our own hearts. I pray that we would humble our hearts before you, God. That we would humbly come before you and say we need you every second of every day. That my first matter of business every day is when I look in the mirror and say, God, purify my heart. I pray that we would be a people of repentance and humility and that we would not be a people of pride. I pray that we would see our sin and be grieved, our sin, and that we would come to you in repentance. And Lord, I pray for revival in this city. I pray for my neighbors. I pray for the leaders of this community that people would look to the sovereign God who made them. I pray for our state that we would look to the sovereign God who made us, that we would humble ourselves, turn from our sin, and look to the sovereign God who made us. And we know that nothing is impossible because of the power of your spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he lives inside us when we have Jesus. So amazing. So God, we pray and ask that you would revive the Valley of Dry Bones in this nation. We know you can, that there's nothing you can't do because you are sovereign, you are in control, and what's so amazing is you're merciful and patient and compassion, and you're not willing that any would be lost. So God, we we bring all of this before you, and we worship you, and we pray that you would revive our land, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Stand as we continue to sing and worship. Were the word the beginning, one with God the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. 
sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the bolt of sin and grace. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a powerful name it is nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus you have no rival you have no now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Wonderful, powerful, matches the name. Uh, let's just pray one more time together. God, we worship you. We come to you. We love you. We are grateful for you that... You you are powerful, and not only that, you are good. You are the God who brings to life, God. 
the God who brings things back to life. You revive. What a great word from joy this morning, God. Thank you. And from your word in Ezekiel, that you dead as a bone and you put things back together and you bring them to life, God. I pray, Lord, there there are some things that are dead, Lord, in our hearts. Probably every person has something that just feels dead. We've given up hope. That's gone. It's toast. But it's something that you want for us, God. And for those things that, that you want that are dead, we pray that that they would come to life, that they would be brought to life in the ways that only you can do it. And so we look to you, God. We look to you, the, the God who brings dry bones to life, the powerful God, the wonderful God, the beautiful God. I pray for anybody that's feeling far from you today. Lord, you, you want to draw us close to yourself. And we just sometimes we just need to come and just say yes and be open to it and allow our hearts to be drawn to you, God. So may our hearts be drawn this morning. May they come alive in the dead places. Speak to us through your word now through Pastor Gary. Thank you for how you've already spoken to us, Lord. Thank you for what you have for us today, God. We come with open hearts, open hands to receive what you want to say, continue to say to our hearts. We love you. We worship you and praise you and say all this in the mighty, beautiful, powerful name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Sorry, I'm going to use this. All right. Good morning. Oh, let me take this off. Oh, yes. Thank you. First of all, I want to say I'm glad I didn't trip today. Okay. Um, Thank you. It's a a success, in my opinion. All right. So I want to welcome you, everybody that's here, all your beautiful faces, all of you at Facebook and YouTube. We miss you. We're glad you're joining us virtually. Um, I just want to welcome you this morning, and I have quite a few announcements today that are really exciting. So first thing I want to do is talk about connection. As you can see over here, well, you on there can't see, but our, our main mission goals here at our church are to worship, grow, serve, and reach. So we just did a little bit of worship. That was awesome. Now I'm going to give you a chance to grow. Obviously, being here and being at home listening to this message is a way to grow, but Another way that God wants to grow us is by connecting us with others. People that are trying to grow in their relationship with Jesus, those are the people he wants us to be in connection with. And um, there's several ways here at church that you can do that. We have a men's group that meets here every Monday night with Pastor Gary at 7. Yes, yes, at 7 o'clock. We also have a women's group who is focusing on fervent prayer right now. And that's led by Carolyn Skinner. That meets every Tuesday night on Zoom. And if you are a person who has ever thought about leading a group, we would love to hear from you. If you want to open up your home, if you would love to have people over, couples, it could be a young people's group, it could be a men's group, a women's group, whatever you want, family group, please let us know. We'd we'd love to have more leaders in that. And um, if you're afraid, don't be. We can help you out and give you the tools you need to do that. Um, so, uh, if you need more information, you can either talk to Gary or Matt, or you can go on our SVC app or our SVC website, and there is a link on there about connection, and you can find more information on there. Um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, tonight is our revival prayer. This is our, our opportunity to get together corporately. We do it once a month. 
we come together here at the church. We oftentimes sit in a big circle, and basically we just get together and we pray. We pray over, like what Joy was just saying, revival over our, our own hearts, over our own homes, over our families, over the people in our church, our church family, over our community, over our schools, our kids, over our country, over our world. All of those things that God, he's in charge of all of it, and we come here and we just ask him to just intercede for us. And so um, I would just encourage you to try it out if you've never come. It's, again, a great way to connect. It's another connection. It's another growing. If you're a person, like I used to not like to pray out loud in front of people, um, that took me a long time to get comfortable doing. If that's the thing that's stopping you from coming, please don't let that stop you. There's no, you do not have to pray out loud at the, at the revival prayer. You don't have to have this magical words to say. You can just come and pray in your heart and take in what is being said. And God hears that just as loudly as me talking right now. So don't let that stop you from coming and being in prayer with other believers about things that are important to us. Um, I would encourage you to come. And that's going to be tonight at 630 right here in the sanctuary. Um, Also, another exciting thing, we have a baptism coming up on September 12th, and we already have a few people signed up to make their public declaration of faith and be baptized here at Solano Valley. And if you're a person who has never made that public declaration, I would encourage you to do it. It's it's stepping out in faith. It's, again, a scary, it can feel scary to do it, but it feels so good. For those of you who have done it, you know that when you come up out of that water, it's like you have just shed everything off of you that has been dragging you down. And it's like you're, a, like Peter said, you're a new creation. You can actually feel it. It's like you're emerging out of your cocoon. So I would encourage you, if you haven't done it, please do it. You can talk to Gary if you, want, if you have questions about it. He can explain it better to you. We have a sign-up at the front table for that as well. Um, this is right up my alley this is one of my favorite things time of year we have our trunk or treat reach is another one of our values here's an opportunity for us to reach our community we've had a really hard couple of years as you guys know Um, this last year we still went forward normally we used to do a a holiday or I'm sorry a, a fall festival where we'd have all kinds of games and things like that because of COVID, last year we had to break it down to a drive-by trunk or treat. And I was so glad that we still did it because the kids, they needed that. Like the kids in our community, they needed to feel that love and they needed to feel that connection. And even though they were in cars, they were so excited. They were so happy and so overjoyed. We gave away so much candy and so much love to those kids that day. And um, so... Uh, Joy and I are, are running this this year. It's going to be a simple thing. Once again, it's going to be a drive-through trunk or treat. If you would like to dr- uh, decorate your car um, and you need ideas, you can ask me for some, or you can even ask Google. Go on Google and look up trunk or treat, and there are some awesome ideas. Um, I know Margaret did like a, a pirate theme last year. We did underwater theme. I mean, there's so many possibilities. And, again, it doesn't matter. It's that we're smiling and connecting with these kids, and we're just putting, like, planting seeds in them of love. So um, we, we're really hoping to get 8 to 10 cars that would participate. If we get more than that, that would be great. If you can't do that, uh, we're also looking for candy donations. And so um, I have two sign-up sheets on that back table under the cross. 
There's a sign-up for donations for candy. There's a sign-up for a trunk if you'd like to do that. That would be great. We'd love as many people to come as possible. If you just want to come hang out and have a good time with us that day, it could be connection. It could, you know, so whatever. We'd love to have, hang out with you guys and have a party out in the street. So um, uh, let's see. If you have any questions, come to me or come to Joy, and we would be happy to answer those for you. Uh, the next thing that we're going to be talking about now is our offering. Um, and, again, this is something that we do to worship and to glorify God. Everything that we have came from him. He is the ultimate provider. We can think all day long that we are providing and doing it all on our own, but we're not. We are not doing anything without God. He has given us everything, and we need to realize that. And the the way that we can really show that is by giving back. And um, I I don't know if you guys listen to Caleb, but I do. And this week they did a, a thing to, like, get these truckloads of supplies down to Hurricane Ida survivors. They got, their, their first goal was 50, 50 semi-trucks full of supplies. They ended up getting 372 truckloads of supplies to send down to these hurricane survivors. And this was through giving of people. But the, that giving came because of God. This is God moving in those trucks. He's taking those trucks and he's delivering those to people that need it. And so God uses us, he uses our giving to bless other people. And so... Um, uh, there's five ways that you can give here at Solano Valley. <coughs> Excuse me. One way is to go to solanovalley.org backslash giving. On there, you can set up a um, automatic thing where it, come, it comes out of your bank account every month, so you don't have to keep going on there and redoing it every time. It's very easy. Um, you can also tap the word give on the SPC phone app. Uh, you can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road. Fairfield, California, 94534, or put a a paper check or money into a um, silver slot that's on that back wall there. Or you, oh, that's it. That was the fifth way. Oh, no, you can also, here's the most techie way, and that is to text the word give um, to 707-883-3019. That's very high tech. Um, We just want to thank you guys so much for your generosity, and I just want to hand it over to Pastor Gary. I don't know if you guys noticed, but he did really good today matching his shirt with his mask. He really worked hard on getting that together. So welcome him. Thank you, guys.
experiencing as a nation is judgment. I really do. Uh, I think it's judgment from God. Uh, And if you read through the scriptures, you'll see this. You'll see times where Israel moves away from God, spiritual renewal, into times of spiritual declension. And every single time, God brings judgment. Every single time. And this doesn't just happen for Israel and the nation of Judah. It happened for other nations as well. Is that whenever a nation is moving away from God, there is always judgment. Always judgment. And when people move towards God, there's always spiritual renewal. There's always revival. And so I believe that that this idea of renewal revival begins with us. When I say I believe that we're under judgment, I'm not saying this is the final judgment. uh, uh, Because when it's the final judgment, it's going to be pretty final. Uh, But I think that, that right now, I think that we as a nation really need to move towards God. And it begins with Christ's church. It begins with people like you and me. So uh, uh, that's just kind of been weighing a little bit heavy in my mind. And, uh, and sometimes I think sometimes if, if we don't acknowledge what's heavy that's going on inside of us, and if I just kind of launch into the scriptures, I feel like I'm not really connecting with you because I'm not telling you where I'm at. Uh, and it's hard for me to invite you to connect with God's word if I'm not making that effort to really connect with you. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to open our Bibles because what we need is we really need to hear from God. We need to hear from God. And where I'm going to ask you to open up to is to John chapter 10. And uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 10, beginning in verse 22 through 33. And, um, uh, and, and before we do that, though, let me, just, let me pray for us again, okay? God, today uh, we want to worship you. Lord, we we want to move towards you. We want to repent of anything, everything that keeps us from giving you first place in everything. We want to repent from anything, anything that is keeping us from giving you first place in everything. God, anything that's a good thing that we've made an ultimate thing, that we have made into an idol, Lord, for that we want to repent. And we want to return. We want to humble ourselves. We want to seek you above all things. Today, God, I ask you to speak to us through your word. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate God's word for us, illuminate our understanding, uh, to guide us in truth, uh, and, and, and just help us to, to really um, receive the word implanted, uh, to humbly receive the word implanted that is able to save our souls. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. In John chapters 5 through 10, uh, let me just give you a little bit of review. Oftentimes, John chapters 5 through 10 are referred to as the, the cycle of festivals. It's called the cycle of festivals. And the reason for that is that there were a number of festivals that were very, very important for the Jews. It was a part of their annual worship and, and not that dissimilar from what we have. Like every year we celebrate Easter. Every year we celebrate Christmas. And, and with the Jews, they had their own festivals. They had things like the Feast of Booths. They had the Passover. Uh, they had the Day of Atonement. Uh, they had the Feast of Dedication. And one of the things that makes the Gospel of John unique and interesting is more than any other gospel, it talks about many of these different festivals. And in John 
chapters 5 through 10, there are several different festivals that are made reference to. One, one festival is unspecified. One of the festivals it speaks to is Passover. Another festival it speaks to is the Feast of Booze. But then another festival it speaks to is the Feast of Dedication. And in this text, in, or excuse me, in these passages, John 5 through 10, uh, Jesus does several things. Uh, he makes several really bold claims about himself. So in these chapters, Jesus will say things like, he'll say things like, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Whoever, um, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Interesting. I am the bread of life. And then later he says, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says things like this. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And then he says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then in the middle of all these different claims that Jesus makes, he does a number of what John calls signs. These signs are miracles, but these signs are, uh, they are miracles that have significance. And so there are a couple in particular that are very important. All of them are important. But in this passage that leads us to where we're at today, in John chapter 10, there, uh, in 30, or 22 through 33, the reason that these signs are important is because, because it, it creates the, the, the context for understanding what we're going to be looking at. And so one, in both of these sign miracles that Jesus did, both of them he did in Jerusalem. Now, he did some other signs as well, but they weren't in Jerusalem. But, but these signs, and, and one of them is he went to this place called Bethesda to this pool, and there was a man there who was an invalid who had been an invalid for 38 years. And it was the Sabbath. And Jesus goes and he heals this guy. And it really irritated the Jewish leaders. Then again, around the Feast of Booths, uh, in John 7, but then in John 8, uh, Jesus does another miracle. He heals uh, another person. This time he heals a person who's born blind. By the way, again, he does it on the Sabbath. It's like, it's like I, sometimes it's almost like, you know, I think I'm going to wait till tomorrow because tomorrow's the Sabbath before I heal this person just so I can irritate those Jews a little bit more. So this is kind of what's going on. And the Jews really, really don't like Jesus. By the way, that's part of what we see in John chapters 5 through 10, is we see this increasing tension uh, in this uh, conflict between Jesus and his enemies. That brings us to, uh, to, to John chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 22. And what the Bible says is this. It says, Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. Uh, anybody know what the festival of dedication was? Hanukkah. That's right. It's Hanukkah. Okay? It's what you call Hanukkah. It's what I call Hanukkah. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a history message here because this is important, I believe, in understanding this text and understanding what the Jews were looking for. See, the Jews were looking for a Messiah. 
But the kind of Messiah they were looking for looked like a man named Judas Maccabeus. Anybody know the story of Judas Maccabeus? Now, so in 168 uh, B.C., there was a man who uh, he was called Antiochus IV, also called Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus was incredibly evil and wicked. He was a king of the Seleucid Empire. Uh, the Seleucid Empire was founded by a guy named Seleucus or Seleucus, who was one of the four generals of, uh, of Alexander the Great. And after Alexander the Great died, uh, the empire was divided into four parts with four kings ruled by these four generals. And Seleucus, or, uh, uh, he, would he, uh, his, several generations down, Antiochus IV, Antiochus Epiphanes, just um, made... Uh, made life miserable for the Jews. Uh, he came in, and you can read about this in, in First Maccabees. You can read about this. And, and what he did was he, um, uh, he came in, they, they sacrificed pigs on the altar in the temple, desecrating uh, the, the, uh, the altar, desecrating the temple. Uh, anybody who had a copy of the Old Testament scriptures was killed. And the scriptures were burned. Uh, that that uh, it, they forbade uh, the the practice of circumcision, circumcising a little boy on the eighth day. And so, any woman who was found with a circumcised boy, both the woman was killed and the boy was killed. And then they did some things with the bodies that I'm not going to go into here. Okay, but just what they did was wicked and it was evil and it was bad. And so there were a couple of Jews who got really, really irritated. One of them was a guy named Mattathias, uh, and then several of his sons. These are the Maccabees. By the way, Maccabee means hammer, okay? So Judas Maccabee is the one that they, you normally think of, of Judas the hammer. And there's a reason why they called him the hammer. Uh, what Judas did was, and understand the Seleucids, they had a vast army. It was the largest of the four kingdoms that was ruled by the four generals uh, of, of Alexander the Great. And they had this huge, massive army uh, of really well-equipped infantry soldiers. And then on top of that, they had mounted cavalry. And on top of that, they had chariots. And on top of that, they had war elephants. Just think of the Lord of the Rings, okay? Uh, n- not quite like that, but that's where the idea comes from. They had these war elephants, and uh, they were um, they were a pretty awesome uh, army. Judas Maccabeus, his army, not so well equipped. Uh, but what they had is uh, they had agility, they had speed, they had mobility, and they had uh, they had an enormous amount of courage and determination. As their army, and so through guerrilla tactics, they were able to to harass the Seleucids, so that within about within about a four year time frame, three or four year time frame, I can't remember, uh, they were able to defeat the Seleucids and drive them out of Jerusalem and recover part of Judah, and set up the Hasmonean uh, kingdom, who were that, that's who was ruling at the time that Rome came in. And what they did and what the Maccabees did is they went in and, and they purified the temple. 
They tore down the old altar. They built a new altar. And they reinstituted the sacrifice. And what they did was they, they, they took the sacred oil that was used in the menorah uh, to, to, to burn in the temple. And in, 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 uh, but they only had enough oil. And it took several days to make new oil. They only had enough oil to burn uh, the menorah in the temple for one day. But according to legend, according to legend, the oil burned for eight days until they were able to make more oil uh, for the menorah. And that's the reason the Hanukkah menorah has, uh, it has a total of uh, nine, um, I don't know, what do you call it? Candle holders, whatever. Uh, it has nine instead of the seven, the traditional. The middle one was for the candle that you used to light the other eight. And each day, if you're a Jew and you practice Hanukkah, each day you light first one candle, then two, then three, all the way until you, you light the, the eighth candle. But this was called the, the Festival of Lights, the Festival of Dedication, or Hanukkah. By the way, Jesus practiced Hanukkah. Uh, he was in Jerusalem for the celebration of the, the dedication. So I said that this was important. And, and let me tell you real quick part of why this is important. Remember, the Jews are looking for a Messiah. And they're looking for a Messiah who will defeat Rome and set them free. Basically, what they were looking for is they were looking for a Messiah who looked a lot more like Judas Maccabeus than like Jesus. Does that make sense? All right. So then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, surrounded him, okay? They gathered around him. They surrounded him, saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? How long? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now, remember, Jesus has been speaking pretty plainly. He's been saying things like, I am the bread of life. I am uh, the light of the world. I am... Uh, the door, whoever enters through me will be saved. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. But when he speaks, he speaks in a way that those who are believers believe. But those who are unbelievers question. How long will you keep us in suspense if you are the Messiah? Tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. God is sovereign over his saving work. Um, You don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. And Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? They replied, we are not stoning you for any good work, but for blasphemy. Because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Four things I want you to see in this text today that I think are very, very important. Very, very important. 
uh, in, uh, for us as believers in Jesus. The first thing is this, is that, that the true believer listens to the voice of Jesus. Why do I say this? Well, for a couple of reasons. I, I say this, in, first of all, Jesus answered, he told them, he says, you don't believe me. You don't believe me because you're not my sheep, verse 26. You do not believe because you're not my sheep. He is here speaking to unbelievers, but he's speaking to them about their unbelief, but he's speaking to those of us today who are true believers in Jesus. That the true believer listens to the voice of Jesus. Now, what does it mean to listen to Jesus' voice? Okay? Uh, <laughs> Y'all have never had this experience, okay? You've never gone to church and listened to the pastor and what he says goes in one ear, out the other, okay? I'm sure that's never happened for you, not in church, okay? But it probably did happen in an English classroom when you were in school as a kid growing up. Where you're sitting, you're, quote, unquote, listening to the teacher, and it's just kind of going in one ear and out the other. We're talking about uh, that the true believer listens to the voice of Jesus. That's not the kind of listening we're talking about. Uh, the the um, listening, as it's used in this context, is more than simply hearing the words of Jesus. That, that listening, as it's used in this context, it, it does not mean going in one ear and out the other. It means to intently give full and careful attention to Jesus with the intent of responding uh, obediently to all that he says. It means, I believe, something like what James says in James chapter 1 when he says, humbly receive the word implanted that is able to save your soul. It means listening with a spirit of humility. It means listening with the intent of what is being said by God, what is being said by the Lord Jesus Christ is planted into our heart. See, I can read the Word of God and resist it being planted in my heart. Did you know that? I can do that. We can all do that. Did you know I can read the Word and be really, really proud? I can do that. I have that capacity. All of us do. This is the reason James warns us and encourages us, humbly receive the word implanted that is able to save your soul. There's something about when the word of God takes root in our hearts. So when we're talking about listening to Jesus, we're talking about listening with, with an intent. We, we, we're, we're, it's in Colossians 3.16, it says it this way. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's the idea that, that we, we listen to the Word of God so that it actually um, takes up residence in us. It begins to dwell in us. It comes alive in us. If you're ever having difficulty really listening to God as you're reading the Scriptures, if you ever find yourself just kind of reading the Scriptures, you cross it off your to-do list and you're done. And 15 minutes later, you don't, remember, you don't have a clue what you just read, Okay? If you ever find yourself kind of walking away from God's Word and not being changed by it, then I would encourage you to change the way you read the Word of God. I'd, I'd encourage you to maybe try this on, okay? If you've got a pen, you might want to write this down. If you don't have a pen, you have your Bible, you might want to open your Bible 
to Psalm 119 and just fold that page over so you remember to go back to it later. Okay? But you might try praying this prayer. I take it from Psalm 119, verses 33 through 37. And just pray the prayer of the psalmist. Teach me, Lord. That's a prayer. Teach me, Lord. Teach me the way of your decrees. Why? Why? Why Why does the psalmist pray this? That I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding. Why? So that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the paths of your commands. For I find... uh, for. For there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. That that true believers, those who are Christ's sheep, listen to the voice of Jesus. Number two, second thing I want you to see in this text, John chapter 10. Second thing I want you to see is this, is that the true believer is known by Jesus. The true believer is known by Jesus. That, that again, in, in verse 27, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. Now, <clears throat> when the Scripture uses the word know, depending on its context, it doesn't mean the kind of casual, kind of a casual kind of, of knowledge. Just, it, it doesn't mean just simple awareness. It means intimate relationship. Okay? When the Bible uses the word know, like in this context. That, that it's, we see this earlier in John chapter 10, where Jesus says this. He says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. See, the way Jesus knows the Father, and the way the Father knows Jesus, is a very intimate kind of knowledge. It is a father-son relationship. And what God wants for you and me is he wants us to know Jesus in that kind of an intimate relationship. The difference between religion, as it's practiced by many people, and Christianity, I believe, true Christianity is this, is how intimate the relationship with God is. When people lack an intimate relationship with God, they're practicing religion. They're not following Jesus. Because the true believer, the follower of Jesus, it is a relationship with God. It, it is marked by uh, an intimacy. It's, the kind of, it's a kind of knowledge that's full of affection and goodwill of, of God towards us and us toward Him. Uh, when the Bible speaks of God knowing us, it means He loves us and that we are safe and secure in His love. Third thing I want you to see in this text is this. The true believer follows Jesus. Again, verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to live your life with Jesus as your, your model. I could go into a lot of different things here. Let me, let me just put it to you this way. Did Jesus live to please himself? No. He lived to please God. Did Jesus live to serve himself? Did he? No. No. He, he lived to serve others. And how we know if we're following Jesus is, am I living to please God or am I living to please me? Am I living to serve myself or am I living to serve others? And that's the real mark, the distinctive of, of whether or not 
you're really following Jesus. And, and what God wants for us and what we see in this text is that the true believer follows Jesus. Fourth, fourth thing I want you to see in this text is this. The true believer is safe and secure in the hands of Jesus for all of eternity. That's good news. That, that the true believer is, is safe and secure. Where do I see this? Verse 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Uh, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given to them, given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. That when we are true believers, the true believer is safe and secure of the hands of Jesus, in the hands of Jesus for all of eternity. Eternal life is a gift. Jesus says in this text, he doesn't say, um, I give eternal life to those who earn it. He just simply says, I give them eternal life. That this life, is, it's a gift. It's not something we earn. It's something that we receive from God as a gift. Eternal life is for eternity. It's for eternity. It's not temporary. It's not like uh, some people believe that they can lose their salvation. My belief is if you can lose it, it's not eternal. All right? Uh, you know, to me, I, I look and think, if I could save myself, then I could unsave myself. But if it's Jesus who saves me, I can't unsave who Jesus has saved. Okay? But what God does, God does. And I can't undo what God does. What, what the Scripture says is it says that Jesus says, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. The picture, I, I remember this, hearing this guy talking about this text one time, and he's like, it's like you are firm in the grip of Jesus. Nobody's going to pry you out of the hand of Jesus. He says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. And then he says this, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And so just imagine that you are in the hand of Jesus and the hand of God the Father. Anybody like to watch football? Okay, me, all right? Uh, if, if you're a football fan and you have a favorite team and you ever watch your team put the ball on the ground, uh, that football was not safe in the hands of the running back, okay, or the receiver or whoever, all right? Uh, what I'm going to tell you is this, is that when you are in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and when you are in the hands of God the Father, he's never going to fumble. Jesus will never fumble. The Father will never fumble. That we are safe and secure for all of eternity in the hands of God. One other thing, and then I'm going to go ask the worship team to go ahead and come on back up. One other thing I want you to understand is this, is that eternal life doesn't begin after you died. Eternal life begins after you believe. Yes, it is a life of unending duration, but it's more than a life of unending duration. It is a life that is characterized by the eternal um, true believers listen to Jesus. True believers are known by Jesus. True believers follow Jesus. And true believers are safe and secure in the hands of Jesus for all eternity. 
one of the things I want to encourage you to do, and I think it's we, we kind of take for granted on a, give, on a Sunday morning, we kind of think that, that all of us gathered here are believers. And that may or may not always be true. And if you are not yet a believer in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, I want to encourage you that, that, that believing in God and believing in Jesus is more than just this mental assent that Jesus is who he claimed to be, but it is a transfer of trust of my life from my hands into his hands. Uh, for any of you who are watching on Facebook, any of you who are watching on YouTube, I want to encourage you to believe in Jesus. The scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so I'd like to encourage you to do that. Um, if you would like to know more about it, I can help you with that. Uh, please feel free to give me a call. Please feel free to uh, text me, email me. Uh, my information is all on our website at SolanaValley.org, and uh, I'd love to talk to you more about it. Let's, let's pray. God, you are good, and uh, you, are, uh, you are always faithful. And, Lord, you are holy, and you, uh, you are gracious and merciful. Uh, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for your sacrifice for us on the cross. And uh, we, are, uh, we are grateful, and we uh, praise you and worship you because you have risen again. God, for anybody today, either in our, in our building or anybody who's watching through Facebook or YouTube who's not yet put their faith in Jesus, I pray that they'll do that. And, uh, Lord, just help us to learn day by day, listening to Jesus, following Jesus, resting securely in your love for us, uh, and, and just teach us how to do that. I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, you are holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Open up our eyes in wonder.
You are worthy. You are worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. You are worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, You are worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. That's it. Have a wonderful day. God bless you as you go. May you be blessed. Thank you, Lord. Have a great day.